Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. We are just at the start of Chapter 11 of the podcast. This is Season 2, excitingly enough, which began with Chapter 10 and was a rather long chapter talking about logical relations and parametricity. And now we're starting a new Chapter 11 on relational type theory, which is a new approach to type theory that I am in the middle of proposing. I mean, partly talking about it with you is part of the proposal, <laughs> and also writing um, you know, research papers to submit uh, to conferences and things about this is another part of proposing it. Uh, so anyway, and as I told you last time, I, I'm not, not really here to just constantly advertise my own research, and I don't think I've done that in this podcast, but this one, this topic, first of all, um, it now completely obsessed and engrossed with it, so it would be hard for me to chatter on about other things right now. And it also builds really, really nicely on the stuff we were doing, talking about recently. Non-co- not coincidentally, because I picked that, because it was helping me figure out uh, this topic. Okay, so anyway, the basic idea of relational type theory is that we're going to try to build a type theory based on the binary relational interpretation of types. Okay, and in the first, uh, last, in the previous episode on, of the first episode of this chapter, I was ex- reminding us a little bit about this relational semantics, and um, I'm sure I'll have occasion to remind us more about it. But uh, I think I want to take a step back and say, you know, when you're setting up a type theory, well, in my opinion, <laughs> if you are working with Curry style typing, which, in my opinion, at least for the applications I've ever been interested in, that's really pretty much the only way to go. Uh, if you're working on a query style type theory, it means your first step is you know what your programs are. You, you basically you have a programming language. And the most minimalistic and reasonable one to go with, I think, is on type lambda calculus. But you could go with other things. Uh, maybe you want to add some stuff. Maybe you want to add some control operators on type lambda calculus or something like that. That's, that would be cool. Um, you have a programming language. The next step is you need to say what your types are. Okay, You need to say what your types are. Then you need to say what they mean. And then you finally need to have some rules for um, generally the definition of what the types mean will be something that you can't actually uh, use to check whether a term has a type. Usually the definition will be um, uh, will basically be some undecidable predicate. And so you need to then give some set of typing rules which approximate this meaning in a way that you that is decidable, that you can actually write an algorithm to check. Okay, and so I'm going to try, I'm in, currently in development of this theory, I'm trying to follow that recipe, and in explaining it, I will also follow the recipe. So the, the program, the terms of this type theory are just the terms of pure untyped lambda calculus. That's it, nothing else, Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not like philosophically opposed to other things. I mean, particularly things like, I mean, you may have to face reality and, you know, our computers have really good, uh, hardware for doing things like adding 64 bit, uh, integer or floating point values. I mean, stuff like that. So you might have to include some scalar values if you're going to hope to make this sort of language practical. But for sort of theoretical study, let's just not worry about that. We're just working with pure untyped lambda calculus. Okay. Now, what are the types? Okay. The types I propose at the moment are the types of system F. Okay, so we have type variables, X, let's say, big X. 
we have function types, just like we have in simply type lambda calculus. You got a type like A or OB. And you have these impredicative universal quantifications, like for all x, t. Okay? Uh, and I hope you remember that from system F. If you don't remember it, or you didn't know it to begin with, which is totally cool here on the Iowa type theory commute, um, then just as a reminder, it's like, well, or as a quick summary, you know, if I have the identity function like lambda xx, just takes an x, returns it right back to you. Um, in system F, you can give that the type for all x, x arrow x. Because it's basically saying no matter what input type x you want, the lambda, the identity function behaves like an x to x function. So you can give it the type for all x, x arrow x. Okay. That for all x is an actual type construct within the language of types. As opposed to some like meta level statement that's observing that yes, no matter what type I pick, I can give um, lambda xx the type, that type arrow, that type. That's a meta level statement. System F reflects internalizes this meta-level quantification into an actual quantification within the language of types, okay? So we have the types of system F. So this is, these are the types of relational type theory. We have the types of system F. Now, um, and, and uh, now is where we start to go a little bit bonkers because we're interpreting types in, and I didn't, we didn't say this yet because in the recipe it's like I tell you the programming language, then I tell you the types, then I tell you what the types mean, okay? But to anticipate a little bit, the types are going to mean binary relations, okay? So the meaning of a type is a binary relation. And already, you get this sort of eye-opening possibility to start including binary relational operators as types, as type constructs, okay? So, um, so relational type theory includes um, relational composition. If you have two relations, you can compose them, right? It's like, if I've got X related, if X related to Y and Y related to Z, then I can have X related to Z. And this could be with two different relations, right? I could have X related to Y with relation one, R1 and Y related to Z with relation R2. Then X is related to Z with relation R1 composed with R2. So add to the types, to, to the types of system F, relational type three adds, um, relational composition. So if you have two types, you can write, you know, like two types T1, T2, you can write T1 composed with T2, which at the moment I'm with writing like with a little center dot. Okay, so T1 dot, center dot T2 is saying compose these two types. Normally composing two types would make pretty much no sense. But here we're going, we're anticipating, we're going to have a binary relational semantics where it will make perfect sense to compose two types because Every, the meaning of every type is a relation. It makes sense to compose relations, so that's fine. Similarly, it makes sense to take the converse of a relation. If X is related to Y with relation R, then Y is related to X with relation R converse. And so converse just flips the ordered pairs in the relation. So that's another form of type in relational type theory. If you have a type, you can put that type converse, which I, sniffing around online, at first I was thinking I should be using negative one as a superscript for that, but it looks like the preferred notation for relational converse is a little a superscript, um, like an exponent sort of position in the notation, but like a little cup, a little um, U-shaped cup. So that's what I'm using. Okay, so those are two like seemingly almost nonsensically exotic additions to the typing language that would just not make a ton of sense for a unary interpretation. 
Um, and finally, uh, there's one that's um, also like pretty out there for unary typing, which is we can just promote a term to a type. If you just have a term T, like lambda XX, you can turn that into a type. And what does that mean? Well, if you think about the set theoretic study of relations, uh, you know, a relation is just a set of ordered pairs, right? And in particular, functions are relations. In set theory, a function is just a relation that has a certain property, right? That it doesn't have, um, it's, does, it's a set of ordered pairs where we, we never have uh, two ordered pairs with the same, two different ordered pairs with the same first component. Because, you know, x comma y means the x is related to y, or if you were trying to say that this is a function, it means x is mapped to y. And functions aren't non-deterministic. They're not allowed to map x to y and x to z where y and z are different. So relations are non-deterministic. That's totally fine as a relation. Okay, but anyway, in relational type theory, we add sort of the promotion of a term to, a, to be a type with the meaning that we're going to um, view, we're essentially looking at the graph uh, of the term. Okay, so when you have a function, uh, sometimes I guess there's a reason to distinguish the function from its graph. The graph means the set of ordered pairs, like input-output ordered pairs. I mean, usually in set theory, I guess those would be just one and the same thing. Um, but here we're going to say the, what it means to have a term promoted to be a type is you're, you're, you're thinking about the relation that says T1 is... Okay, so let's, let's try to step through a little bit the semantics of this to give some hint of what it means. Um, uh, you know, so if I have a term T and I'm, I want to view it as a relation, I'm viewing it as sort of the graph of the application of T. Okay, so what I mean is if I have two terms, T1 and T2, that are going to be related by this relation, okay, so the relation is the promotion of a term, another term, T, to be a relation, okay? So T1 is related by relation T to T2 if T applied to T1 equals T2, where by equals I want to say beta, eta equals, okay? So, um, so for example... Uh, the um, if I just say I want to promote the identity function to a relation, well, that would relate T1 and T2 just in case the identity function applied to T1 equals T2. That is, is beta eta equal to T2. So in other words, it says the, the, um, if I promote the identity function to a relation, that actually is just the relation of beta eta equivalence because I'm just going to say um, identity applied to the first term equals the second term. Okay, that just means the first term equals the second term. Okay, so these are the constructs of relational, the type constructs of relational type theory. You have type variables, function types, univ impredictive universal quantifications, and then you have these relational operators, composition, converse, and then this one that you wouldn't have just in a general theory of relations, which is promoting a term to a relation where you're basically viewing it as sort of the graph of the term. Okay, the set of input-output pairs, but by output we mean output when you apply the term that you've promoted to a relation, that's the output of that term on the input.
Okay, so these are the um, types of relational type theory. Now, I, before I proceed with the semantics, which I won't be able to do in this episode, I want to say, um, as I've been kind of reaching this conclusion that this would be a cool language to, to propose and study and everything, and, and I hope implement, uh, I mean, I wasn't born yesterday. There's, there's, uh, I know that there's theories of relations out there. And so I just search around a little bit on the internet and stuff. And yeah, there's this whole branch of what some people call algebraic logic concerned with um, relation algebra. So these are um, abstract algebraic descriptions of sort of relational structures. And these were famously... Uh, well, famously, if you're in the right circles, it wasn't famous to me, but I got to learn about it. Um, Tarski and one of his students uh, put a lot of uh, work in this and made a lot of progress on describing sort of the logic of relations. They call it relation algebra. Um, and there's a paper for, of Tarski's from, oh, I think it was the 40s or something. Tarski being Alfred Tarski, the second greatest logician of the 20th century, just after Girdle. Oh, and boy, did he hate that. Um, that uh, there's a paper from, I think, the 40s by him called something like the Calculus of Relations or something. You can find it online. And it's a pleasant and readable paper. At least, I mean, I didn't dig through all of it. There's quite a few sort of pages and pages of der derivations in some particular algebra, or particular logical theory of relations. Um, but anyway, in relation algebra... They do. They have composition. They have converse. They usually have an identity relation. But hey, that's cool. This having this promotion of a term to a relation that's already gives you an identity relation because we just observed that if you promote the identity function to a relation, it is the identity relation. Um, so uh, that's pretty handy. So we already have that piece of it. And there are a few other um, bits and bobs for relation algebra that I'm doubtful will make it into the theory, the relational type theory, but uh, it's it's definitely good to be informed about and consider them. So anyway, so those are the types. We have usual types of system F plus some funky relational operators as type constructs, which makes sense because we're going to interpret types as binary relations. And that's what we'll do the next time. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you're well wherever you are. Winter is setting in here in Iowa. We had our first nice big winter snowstorm today. Kids got to go outside and sled and stuff like that, which was fun. So thanks again for listening. Talk to you another time.